With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everyone welcome my name is Marilyn Shannon and this is the breaking free show and I'm so happy to have you join us today hope you all had a wonderful week and a wonderful weekend and today is a great beginning to another great week and we're gonna introduce our guest to you shortly but first before we get on with the show I want to say hi to Amnon hello how are you I'm good he, you, I was just about to say hello how are you quick and you got in there really quick has to be real quick. You have to be yeah, really quick on the hellos, quick. don't Absolutely. you? <laughs> How are you? I'm doing just fine. Yeah, what's happening? Can't wait for this week to get a little cooler. Is it going to? Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be lower 80s. Really? That'll be nice. That'll be really nice. I know. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I like the weather warm. But yeah, I but not hot. Not hot. I like it nice and cozy and comfortable. Yeah. So, we're going to get on with our show, and as you know, if you've joined us before, we have wonderful shows with great stories, ideas, tools, strategies, ways of being inspired, you name it, we're going to have it. And we are not afraid to talk about anything or share anyone on this show. And before I introduce my guests to you today, I want to remind you first that you're more than welcome anytime during the show to call in, anytime, with a comment, with a question an idea, whatever you like, at 2919-518-9773. Or you can Skype in on voice, and that is computers, that's plural, the number 2K voice, anytime during the show from wherever you are in the world. And also we have a chat, a live chat, that you're also welcome to partake in. And just put your name underneath the video and nickname, whatever you like. And you can ask questions, you can comment, you can do whatever you like, and we're monitoring that as well. So we'd love to have you partake in the show because it is for all of us. We are a community when we say so. And I say we're a community, so that means we all come together and we talk and we share and we just love each other, right? So on with the show. So today we have two guests on. We have Chris Hendricks and we have Jeff Lawson. So I want to welcome both of you here today. How are you both? Uh, doing really good, Marilyn. Thank you very much. Good, doing Chris. Great, Jeff, how you doing? Doing great, Marilyn. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. So I'm going to ask each of our, our guests to uh, talk a little bit about themselves because they can certainly do it better than me. And I'm going to start with Chris. So tell everybody who you are, Chris. All right. Well, I'm Chris Hendricks, and I am the co-founder, one of the founders of uh, the company Perfectly Afflicted, which was created to uh, lower the teen suicide rate in the country through motivational speaking. Um, t-shirt sales and, and fundraising. I have been a um, 
uh, performer since I was four years old. I've been a professional recording artist now for almost 10 years, and uh, I've been a, a speaker since I was in college. And um, it just seemed natural that I combine all of those things into what I do because I'm obsessed with creativity, and I wanted to gift that to the young minds of America through Perfectly Afflicted. And so that's uh, really my slice Good. in the whole thing. Okay, we're gonna get all into all of this more, but let's meet Jeff first. Jeff. Yes. Who's Jeff? I am uh, just a graphic designer. I've been doing that since the mid '80s. Uh, I have a graphic design business here in Wake Forest, and Chris and I met a little over a year ago, and we decided to form this company, this cause-driven company, Perfectly Afflicted. And uh, so, so that that's our mission. Uh, the graphic design business keeps me from having to live in a van down by the river, and then our. Uh, cause-driven company uh, helps us help others and inspire youth and lower the teen suicide rate. Uh, married with two kids, um, a very busy life, and but Chris and I always find time. Whoever calls, whenever they call, if they want us to be there, we find time. Terrific. So I want to understand, first of all, why Perfectly Afflicted? What, where does that come from, Chris? Well, uh, as I mentioned, I'm, I've been a recording artist for um, several years, primarily a songwriter is, is my passion as a musician. And um, I wrote a song several years ago called Affliction. Um, I was in a really dark space uh, shortly after college, to be honest, and I was really trying to find my purpose. And one day in my room, I looked over at this guitar and uh, picked it up and sort of fiddled around with it because I had spent weeks and weeks, honestly, trying to cry like just trying to let out all of this emotion that had been pent up. And within 15 minutes of picking up that guitar, um, my emotion poured out into this song, um, Affliction, uh, which I wrote. And I realized that if I hadn't had that release uh, with that creativity, that I would be in a very, very different um, place right now. To be honest, I might not even be here at all. And so um, for me, and I think I'm speaking properly for Jeff as well, that's really where uh, the name comes from, Perfectly Afflicted, because to tell you the truth, we all have our own journeys. All of us have different phases in our life that we're going through, but that whatever you're going through, it doesn't take away from your value um, as an individual. Oftentimes, as a matter of fact, hardship not only helps shape who you are, but provides you with value. And so that's where we came up with the name, Perfectly Afflicted. Very cool. And so, and did you play music prior to this? Uh, prior to Perfectly Afflicted? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been a singer since I was about four years old, although my mother would probably say I've been singing since I came out of the womb. Um, and I've always had a love for it, but it didn't translate into um, songwriting and guitar playing until college. And I didn't really take it super seriously uh, until after college. I actually walked away from being a physical therapist for the sake of music. And my mom, uh, being the good mother that she is, uh, was and is, was super concerned about it and initially didn't think it was the, the greatest idea, but now she's my number one fan and shows up to almost every show, so. So you actually, you had this inspiration while you were just in a moment. Yeah. Just hit you, and that's how creativity can be, isn't it? Oh, it's uh, not only how it can be, I think it's, it's it's the only way in which genuine creativity can really come through. Uh, and so many people are so different. You know, some people 
creative people need to be alone sometimes. Sometimes you need to be surrounded by, by other creative people. And I think that we shift how creativity comes out depending on the moment that we're in. Right. But it's beautiful and necessary and always within us. That's why I love it so much. So we're going to get into more of this. But uh, sure. Jeff. Yes. Why Perfectly Afflicted for you? Well, uh, our family has seen suicide in our family. We have seen addiction. I've seen the pain caused by it. Um, I've seen what society loses when someone commits suicide. Um, if, if, you, if you look at a, a, a statistic that the average person will meet or interact with 80,000 people in their lifetime. And each of those people interact with 80,000 people. So you see how the ripple goes out. So when a young person decides to leave this life early, you look at everything they were going to accomplish, people they were going to inspire, who was going to inspire them, uh, with it, you thinking that, of that 80,000 number. It's just all gone in a flash. And, and it's usually over something that is, well, it's always over something very temporary. They say it's a temporary solution to a, per, or a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I have two teenagers. And I've seen my daughter's friends struggle with self-hurting and, and things like this. So it, it, it's very near and dear to me to try to help these kids understand their value and their worth and that we need them here. And despite the struggles uh, that, that they, they can get through it. And, and that's kind of what Chris and I do is we just talk to these kids and help them understand what, that they have value and they have worth and don't, don't let somebody label you. I just, you know, we, we try to teach them that they're better than that and hopefully give them some ammunition to, to help move through their struggle without us judging them or coming across as just another adult that doesn't know anything. Um, and, and just try to, you know, get, get to them in that way. Yeah, I'm aware that I've read uh, several articles in the past about how colleges are inundated with students that are depressed. And how they can't even handle therapeutically the amount of students that are depressed mm -hmm. and how many suicides occur in college. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And, and that's, that, 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 and Chris and I, we do, we do work with colleges and we, we typically work as low as, uh, as middle school. And then we started hearing uh, threats of suicide in grade school. And I had the opportunity to speak with someone who worked in the medical examiner's office in Raleigh recently. And here locally, they processed, um, it, I think it was late 2015, if I remember correctly, time frame doesn't matter, but they, they processed a third grader, an eight-year-old who committed suicide. So it's getting younger and younger and younger, and it's just such a, just a, a devastating tragedy that we're, we're trying to, you know, stem that, that epidemic, really. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and you feel that whatever your message is and we're going to talk about that comes uh, that creativity is the breakthrough to support these kids I, I believe um, I believe personally that creativity plus vulnerability always equals communication and especially in middle school and high school and I'm sure that Jeff would agree with me on this you I, I feel like it's it's almost um, a necessary rite of passage in life during those years to really get trapped inside your own head. Um, and the only way to really get out of that is through exploration and through sharing our story. And that's, that's the beauty of Jeff and I being 
uh, partners is that we do have different stories and different perspectives. It's our hope that we reach as many kids as, um, uh, as we possibly can, and they realize that through focusing on their own journey, uh, their own journey and really um, getting to understand what they have to offer um, intellectually, artistically, creatively, that they have a reason to be here. And vulnerability, identify, define vulnerability in all of this. Well, would you like me to define vulnerability as far as my personal story or vulnerability? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, vulnerability personally, um, on a physiological level, uh, I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy when I was four, and I was labeled really early on to have a really hard life, um, that I was going to struggle, uh, that I was going to struggle uh, physically, that I was going to have a hard time fitting in. I was actually told uh, when I was very young to kind of avoid sports, like avoid things that were um, athletic because they'd be too strenuous for me. And I didn't realize until middle school and high school um, that the labels that other people put on us can truly hold us down um, or lift us up, depending on what that label uh, that label is. You know? Yeah, I'm, I get very, uh, I get upset when I turn the TV on and I hear these labels of things mm -hmm. just for, to sell medication, and I'm like, oh, oh my God, what? Excuse me, what kind of label have you put on that just to be able to sell, identify? somebody selling so yeah I yeah. don't like labels like that either well that's there's a yeah. reason why the news is just fear story fear story fear story fear right. story puppy Prozac commercial like right. it's just it's consistent right. Right. you know right. and that's why it's so powerful as a as a controlling tool but that's why it's so important especially in modern education that we teach kids to think for themselves and right now that's just not happening as intensely as it should be so vulnerability yeah bring it back to that so going back to vulnerability um, a lot of times people, uh, you're taught when you're younger, especially in terms of masculinity and growing up, masculinity, femininity, um, going back to this idea of labels, that vulnerability is a negative thing, that it will cause uh, you to be sort of shunned and it'll have uh, bad side effects. But the fact of the matter is, is that vulnerability is always a powerful tool. And I was actually talking to my girlfriend um, last night about this. It's so sad that on some level, as a result of some event in your life, you decide at some point that your story is not worth telling because everybody has a story. And I've found that your loudest voice comes through creativity. I happen to share my story through song. Jeff happens to share his story through his graphic design business and you know his... Um, experience as a family man and a businessman we all have our own path um, but I didn't realize that my vulnerability was such a powerful thing until I wrote the song affliction um, it's essentially in three and a half minutes um, the story of me um, growing up trying to figure out who I am through this identity of having CP and, and, and struggling and at the beginning of the song it's I have no idea what to do, and by the end of the song, I realize that I can use uh, my vulnerability as a message um, to people that have gone through similar experiences and realize that they have purpose. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's part of the creative process for anybody, even if they don't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Brene Brown, I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah, huge fan. Huge, and so for those of you who may have heard of her, may not have heard of her, she does a great TED Talk on vulnerability and because being vulnerable means you're willing to take a chance you know you're willing to be 
out there on that skinny branch being vulnerable. You're willing to share in lieu of or in case of or regardless of whatever of your story, your now, your thoughts, your ideas, regardless of how it turns out. You're yeah. Willing, right? Yeah. And creativity, there's no etching in stone that says, this is going to work. That's why it's creative. Or this is going to work because you never know. Yeah. You just give it a whirl, right? Absolutely. And, and it always comes in phases, too. Mm -hmm. Right when you start off, you're looking at a blank page, regardless of what kind of creativity you're embracing. And there's this voice that always jumps in front of you and you know I'd like to call that the ego and I'm not a I'm not saying anything profound people understand what that voice is that voice that says well nobody's really gonna care about this I don't know if anybody's even gonna look at it does what I'm doing even matter and eventually if you just sort of peel back the layers and let it go and just start creating you realize that it's not really about other people initially the connection comes later you're just starting off pouring your heart onto whatever canvas you choose to create and it's really a release for you and it's only after that process you realize that that release can be used to connect with other people and the ego is just almost it's, it's almost treated like another child inside your head right it exists, it's freaking out, it's frustrated, and then throughout the creative process, every once in a while you look at the ego and you go, it's okay, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I love you too, I love all parts of me. And eventually, that love translates into your way of saying hello to the world. Right. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you. So beautiful, so now we have lots to talk about here, but Jeff, go ahead, you, and. Uh, regarding vulnerability? Vulnerability and then your story, because like when you get up and speak, what are you connecting with? Yeah, yeah and vulnerability for me is when I when I speak to kids is having them understand me being their age, and that's where the vulnerability that that, that that's how I connect. Um, there there was a, a psychologist I learned of recently, a child psychologist, and the first thing he did when he met with 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 a a, a youth, he handed them a picture of himself as a child and made them hold it. Once they saw him as a child and not just another scary adult that doesn't know anything, um, he, they saw him as more vulnerable and, and they connected. So, so, so that for me is, is vulnerability versus the school that hires somebody to come in in a mascot outfit and dance around and say, smoking's bad, boys and girls. Kids have a good BS meter and they see right the through best. that and, and, and it doesn't work. So you have to get down on their level and talk with them not talk at them and not talk to them. Um, and my story, when Chris walks on stage, kids immediately notice something's different. He walks on stage, leg braces and a cane due to the CP, and he has their attention. When I walk on stage, they're thinking, what's going on? Um, and my story is that I grew up all through my school years being called stupid, um, being called SPED, which was the derogatory term for special education. Um, always put in remedial reading classes, doing terrible on testing, just horrible time through school, never understanding why, no matter what I did, I, it was never enough. Um, constantly teacher, student, or what do you call them, parent-teacher conferences. Um, if Jeff would only apply himself, if Jeff would study, if Jeff would stop dating, all, you know, never understood it. Um, through high school, 
uh, SAT test after the SAT test, uh, a, a um, guidance counselor pulled me aside. I still remember his name in his face, sat me down and said, college would be a waste of time for you. You're just not smart enough for that. Um, find a trade and be happy. And you would think that'd be devastating, but it was just reinforcement for what I had known going through school uh, that I just was never going to amount to a whole lot because of, of, of these limitations. Um, long story short, through the Air Force out, I, I ended up going to college, getting my graphic design degree. Not until I was 48 years old, when my second child, uh, my son was having trouble in school, we had him diagnosed. Uh, I told my wife, we have something, something's wrong here. We have to have him looked at. And um, so we took him to a child psychologist. Psychologist wanted me to sit in the room with my son uh, as he asked some questions because it made the children more comfortable. My son's 15 now. Uh, I was 48 at the time of 54 now. Um, so as the psychologist was, was asking my son questions, I thought, well, I'm going to answer along just, just to see how I answer these questions, I'm not even putting two and two together. And at the end of the session, I answered every single question, the same in my head that my son answered to the, the, the doctor. So after that, um, I asked the, the, the psychologist, I, I, I sat down with him and I said, you know, I answered these questions the same way. He said, well, he said, your son has attention deficit disorder, which is why he can't pay attention in school and the daydreaming and all this. And I went, okay, there's one flag. He said, and your son is dyslexic. And the dyslexia causes uh, trouble with memorization, it, uh, trouble with learning a second language, trouble with reading, tr all, all these things, just, just, it just aligned with my story growing up. And so I told him that I answered the questions and got the same results. And he said, well, I could give you a formal diagnosis. He said, but you don't need that. He said, both of those conditions are genetic and he got them from you. You've just answered, you've, you've just gone through the evaluation. So not until I was 48 did I realize that the label that had been placed on me of stupid uh, did not apply. And I was letting that label hold me back uh, because of someone else's opinion of what I couldn't be or couldn't do. And so I express that um, when I talk uh, to groups uh, to help them understand that, that someone else's opinion of you in a negative fashion is simply them trying to hold you back from you reaching your full potential. And so, so, so that, 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 that's kind of my story. And, and I've been able to, once I ripped that label off, I realized that a lot of what was holding me back was me. It was in my own head. But I didn't know that. I was listening to other people's opinions. And that turned out to be a dangerous thing to do. So, uh, I, I just want to share very quickly that Jeff and I had a, a very similar experience at a very different time. Um, so I went to college at Elon University. And in my opinion, there's, I don't believe in coincidences ever. And um, there's no coincidence that the Elon University mascot is the Phoenix. Because when I showed up as a freshman at Elon University, I was still this uh, very shy, uh, sickly kid. I showed up on campus weighing somewhere between um, 90 and 100 pounds, maybe even less. And uh, I had had all these operations as a result of CP, but mostly I was really held down psychologically um, by fear and just this assumption that people would, you know, avoid me on purpose because of my condition that people didn't understand. 
And in college, I realized, like Jeff, that all this stuff had been in my head, and I thought to myself, I have got to reinvent myself here. Actually, all the way up through college, I went by the name Jamie. My name is Chris James Hendricks, Jr., and um, my mom called me Jamie. And in college, um, I decided to go by my first name, Chris, as a reminder to myself that I had chosen this time to reinvent myself because I was far away, you know, from that life that I had uh, left behind in high school, and I decided to embrace my condition, uh, attach a sense of humor to it, realize that I got better parking than everybody else for life forever, realize that I didn't have to wait in line in amusement parks, realize that my condition had truly given me tons of benefits that I had overlooked um, for so long or at least forgotten about. And as a result, I dived into physical activity. I embraced tons of clubs around uh, campus. In particular, I started lifting weights. And by the time I graduated, um, I uh, weighed 150 pounds. And I was doing weightlifting competitions and swimming. I looked so different as a result of this transformation that my spring break, my senior year, I think it was either senior year or junior year, my stepdad came to pick me up. And I was standing by the road and, you know, holding on to my bags. And my dad actually drove past me because he thought I was a different person. He thought I was a, a, a different student. He didn't think that I was uh, his son. And, I, and I'll never forget about that because, like I said earlier on in the interview, I was told that physical activity would actually make my condition worse. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Everybody else out there says exercise is beneficial. It has all these emotional and physical benefits. And I was so I totally ignored um, what I had been told. And sometimes jumping away from authority is the best course of action, right? As scary as that is, you just, like, if your gut says something other than what everybody else is saying, you got to make the leap. And the fact of the matter is there's always a net out there for you. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that's regardless of age. I want to mention a few things. First sure. of all, just remind everybody, please feel free to call in if you'd like to share a personal story, an idea, something that's happened to you, whatever it is. We'd love to hear it. 919-518-9773. Or if you don't have a phone, you can contact us through uh, Skype at Computers2. That's the number 2K voice. You'll come in on voice, not a picture. So don't worry about that. Some people do. And then you can also be in our chat. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening and just taking in everything that Jeff and Chris are saying. And I want to mention a few things. First of all, as far as creativity is concerned, it's not just being able to create a piece of music or a piece of uh, or painting. We, sometimes creativity is just the, the ability to go from one concept that somebody puts you in with a label. Being creative helps you expand so you're not taking on that label as your own. Having creative thought, creative process of expanding how you see things. You know, when I'm listening to them, and I don't ever really think about it this way, um, and, I, you're, and you are making me think about it this way, so thank the both of you. Um, I had rheumatoid arthritis, pubic arthritis as a child. And so at 10 months old and 7 years old, and when I was 7, I got out of bed and fell, and I couldn't walk. And so my memory 
in those days where was I had to be carried wherever I went. I couldn't walk. Mm. And so I never looked at myself as being um, having a disability and it played havoc in different parts of me through the medication I had to take and all that yeah. stuff. So I think that those it's, it's interesting because I never saw myself as but yet I have those things. I have the remnants of things throughout my life that have caused things but at the same time like you were saying as far as not having to wait online there are things that you know I have made me like uh, my eyes have always been affected by but yet it's given me a sense of seeing that I could do through senses yeah. and not through my eyes necessarily because yeah. I've always had a you know what I mean yeah. so these things it's such an amazing thing when you connect creatively because if I didn't connect creatively, then I would only rely on my eyes. Well, I would I, look outside my eyes. Yeah, I mean, and and that's actually one of the reasons why the term disability always bothered me. It drives me crazy because it's a buzzword. Just like anti-bullying is a buzzword now. Everyone's like, "Oh, anti-bullying is a thing." Are you kidding me? It's been a thing forever. Bullying has been an issue for forever in schools. Like, yes, okay, if you ask us what perfectly afflicted represents, technically we can attach an anti-bullying movement notion to what we do, but that bothers me. We only do that so that other people who know that buzzword get what we are right off the bat. But it's much more about self-empowerment. Right. Th that's why the word disability drives me crazy because it implies a lacking of ability like you're missing yeah like a lacking like of some ability and, and, and it's yeah. it, it's created this other side um this this totally diff uh, uh, another movement which has attached um this sort of cheesiness to um to having a condition and and sort of like this warrior's way kind of thing like ah look what i've overcome and 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 it's just it's such a beautiful thing no look Everybody's got their thing, and there's a time and a place for that sort of expression. But the fact of the matter is that creativity is a part of every Everybody. human, yes. every yes. human person. Yes. So it doesn't have to do with the condition that you have. That's a part of your story. I'm not suggesting that anybody run away from it. It's absolutely a piece of who you are. But you create whatever box you're in. You create it. Regardless. And, and this point that he's making, and then we're going to go to Jeff, and then Lara on our uh, chat has a, a, a big uh, comment to make. But this idea that creativity is part of everybody. And uh, there's a wonderful book out called Big Magic. Oh, man. My girlfriend's actually reading that to me right now. Got it away from me. Seriously? I'm sorry. All right, I love it. It's fabulous. So she's reading it to you now? Yeah, so, yeah. So it's a great book all about creativity written by... Um, Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote E Pray Love. So, uh, what's the piece? Don't spoil Quick. It for him. No, what's, no. Well, we've only done, she's only done a couple chapters. Okay, so, so the very, very beginning of the book, uh, and then Jeff, I'm coming right to you. The very beginning of the book is this idea about ideas. And ideas have a beingness, ideas are an entity. And they trap, they go around. They're like an entity. Just like we're an entity, ideas are an entity. And it comes to you, an idea comes to you, and if you accept it, if you're ready for it, if you want it, it will stay with you and you can do something with it. If, it, if you don't accept it, you're not ready, whatever the reason is, it's going to go to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's going to become their idea, and if they want it, 
they'll take it. If they don't, it's going to go somewhere until somebody grabs it. Otherwise, I'm, not otherwise, but one day, if you don't take it, you're going to turn on the TV, look at a magazine, look at a book, go to the bookstore. You're going to turn it on, and you're going to go, oh, my God, that's mine. Yeah, it was, I'm, but you missed it. Go ahead. I'm, I'm pointing at, he can't tell, but I'm, I'm pointing at Jeff because he has a funny story with regards yeah, to that. Go. Please tell that story. Oh, you mean about the, the cooler? Yeah. Yeah. Um, years ago, we were living in D.C., that same thing happened to me. And we're walking from the car or the sexy minivan, whatever it was at the time. Was <laughs> and, uh, and walking over to this island, and I'm carrying this huge cooler, just lugging this thing. And I thought, man, if I put wheels in the handle on this thing, wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be, I could just pull this thing anywhere. And then I just never did anything with it. And what, about a year later, here I see these coolers with wheels and handles. And I'm like, that's my idea. Right. But <laughs> I did nothing with it. Um, you know, I mean, it, that's just the, the reality of it. And, and that goes back to that creativity thing. You, you're right, of, of seizing the moment. And a lot of people have confused when they, we talk about creativity. They say, oh, well, I can't draw. I can't paint. You don't understand. I can't sing. Well, you don't want to hear me sing or try to play the guitar because it will run people out of the room. But creativity is engineering. It's chemistry. It, it's what, whatever you're into has a creative element to it because you're right, Marilyn. Creativity is the idea. And ideas, I mean, try to tell me things that are engineered are not creative. I mean, you, know, you can't tell me that. But people get in such a box of thinking of creativity as just being the arts because yeah. that's what they've been told their whole life and that's what they believe. It's been labeled and packaged as this, this just this small area, and it's not. Yeah. Right. Art is much bigger than our modern society gives it credit. Well, it's, it's, every, it's everywhere. It's, it's, a, but it's been put into a box. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I used to drive. <laughs> I taught special ed years ago. Oh, beautiful. And I, it, not, it wasn't my, wasn't, didn't, wasn't the thing I set out to do. It was mm -hmm. one of those things on the pathway of helping me figure out what I wanted to do. I was just listening and it came. And one day I was driving to this, and I did not like teaching in this environment. And I'm driving to, um, I live in uh, Raleigh. I was driving to uh, another county. And I'm driving, and my, I kept saying to myself, what is my art? I want an art. I want to draw. I want to sing. I want to paint. I want to write. What is it? I can't do any of those yeah. things. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I don't know if it was that day or one day after that, it dawned on me that my art was my mouth. Mm -hmm. That was my art. It was my way of expressing things. Right. And that was my art. And I got the chills when it happened, and I just got the chills again. Because we're in this place, and I'm so I thank you. You're more than I, welcome. Oh, what a beautiful take! Show his face right now, please, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Knock, and the door shall be open. Heck, I love it. Yes. Well, and, 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 and speaking of that, yeah, not not catching on to you said you want your art, and it was right in front of you the whole time. And Chris and I know this story because when 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 he and and Heather and a few other people said, well, why why don't you talk? Why why don't you? And I said, well, nobody wants to hear my story. And Chris says, what do you mean, nobody wants to hear? I said, I don't have a story. And Chris said, well, that's all you are is story. Yeah. And so so I went through the speaking course and 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 now I'm doing it. And for years, uh, and, and this is something Chris and I have talked about before, for, I, I've, been, I've been through some incredible situations that I shouldn't have been alive past age 20, uh, between car accident, motorcycle accident, different things that, I mean, that, that should have killed me. And each time it's happened, 
and this is like half a dozen times or more, every single time someone said to me, you must have a guardian angel, or you must have somebody looking out for you, or the one that really sent chills down my spine was, you're, you're being kept here for a reason. And I always went, okay, yeah, whatever. And so for that, but then a few years ago, I started as, as, as I got into another situation that where a guy said, you, you shouldn't be here right now, they should have killed you. Um, I, I started looking at that and go, okay, well, what is my purpose? And I kept searching and searching and searching. And then all of a sudden, Chris and I came together with, with this, this company and this idea and the light bulb went off. This is it. This is what I'm meant to do. And, but it doesn't end there. Um, because as Chris and I are evolving this company, and then it was put into my lap of, well, you need to put that fear aside of public speaking, get out there and do it. And I went, okay. I, I turned around, faced that fear and went, not anymore. I own you now. You don't own me anymore. <laughs> and so, so now I do that. So it, it, it's, a, it's a constant evolution. But it was first recognizing what has been slapping me in the head for all these years of, you know, what's your purpose? And I think this is it. Yeah. You know, I love uh, public speaking, but I am, before I do it, I'm really scared. And I heard a long time ago, and maybe it's changed, but Angelina Jolie, years ago, was saying that before the beginning of her movies, she would vomit. I heard that too. I, I, yeah. And if she, and I, yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, every people have their thing, and I guess part of what I'm going to say right in this moment, the message in this moment, based on what Jeff is saying, based on what we know to be true, Angelina Jolie, whatever, things are not always comfortable that we have to do, yeah. especially when we're being yanked to do something sometimes that we're meant to do. It's not always just like being born, and the birth canal cannot be all that easy. <sighs> Right, but yet you're being born, and mm -hmm. so, right. So the birth canal to become a speaker, as Jeff said, to do certain things is not always easy. But you are still called to do it, and creatively along the way you find your way. I want to read. Um, I, I appreciate very much what Lara. Lara I, I hope I'm pronouncing your word correctly. Is it Lara Flynn? L A R A Lara. Uh, is there no There's no last name. No. Okay. Okay. So. Um, I want to, and, and we might have passed some of this by, but it doesn't mean we can't go back again. So I, I haven't read this whole thing, but I do want to read it. So Lara says, Neuro blah, 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 blah. neurologically, the messages we internalize create pathways that get reinforced. Negative thinking and the negative beliefs we hold actually impede our ability to be successful. Replacing our negative thoughts with positive, positive ones improve our brain function and actually then we become smarter and more successful. So it is the belief that we have to chat, uh, change. There's, there is neurological brain evidence. Yes, there is. I mean, so what? Yes, I, I agree. That's what I was talking about with, with being labeled all those yes. years and realizing that that label didn't apply. Um, it, it, it was a total dynamic switch for me when I realized that what was holding me back was someone else's opinion of me. Um, so she, she, she's absolutely right right on target, absolutely. So, so those pathways, you can call them habits, mm -hmm. you can call them a lot of things. And they can be, the, those neural pathways can be interrupted with new pathways. Oh, and always. changing those habits and those old beliefs and the things that people have taught us that, be, that become ingrained, it's like this, this track that we just keep going down the same pathway. 
And when we interrupt that pathway, and you have to consciously interrupt it and create a new pathway, there's new there's a new life. Go ahead. Well, we live in a world where safety is constantly being shoved down our throats. Safety, 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 safety. Okay, because our reptilian minds, you know, beneath this all this evolution that we've gone through, you know, the number one human need is survival. This, right? But beyond that, safety is boring. It's boring. Okay, I I don't know if um, I don't know if these are my words. I'm sure somebody else put it in a much cooler way than I can right now. But you have to define your butterflies when you get them. You, you have to decide as a result of those butterflies what direction you're going to go. There are two different kinds of performers, right? There are performers who get uh, nervous right before they get on stage, and there are the performers that get um, excited. Um, and I think it was the boss, Bruce Springsteen, um, uh, in an interview that I saw once, said, aren't you... Are you are you nervous before you before you get on stage? He goes, no, no, I'm excited. The excitement builds up in me, and by the time I'm on stage, I'm just I'm I'm ready to explode. And any sort of mistakes that I think I might make, they just they go out of the window. They're they're part of the experience, and it's that ability that he had to define his butterflies, regardless if it's public speaking, performing, creativity, other people's reactions to it. When you because once you create something, like. What good is the communication if you don't put it out to right. be seen by right. other people? Right. So. so so I want to um, talk about teens okay. and, and suicide and, and the issues that are going on um, so that for those, we might have some parents, maybe some teens mm -hmm. that are listening. And sure. So let's talk to them. Okay. So go ahead. Well, well I, um, I don't know really where you want me to start, but my um, as far as my personal experience with my worth and realizing where I stood on this planet, um, there was a time in middle school and high school um, in particular where I definitely wore a mask. Um, and I wore a mask that somebody else told me to wear. And I would define that other person as society. You know, um, I would, um, I spent my time in high school um, both in and out of a wheelchair, and I, I wanted so desperately to be a part of the crowd, and I realized uh, all too late, really, uh, I wish I had realized this in high school, that if you are desperate to become part of the crowd, then you drown in it. You know, everybody wants to be a part of something, particularly at a young age, because you're going through so many changes, so many shifts, and you're deciding where you're going to put your energy in life, how you're going to love yourself, how you're going to love other people. And so being around other people, being a part of something, again, feels safe. But the fact is, is that everybody just wants to be heard. Whether they want to admit it or not, they want to be heard. And if you are obsessed with being a part of the crowd and you wind up drowning in that crowd, then you can't be heard, you can't be seen, you can't be truly valued. And so when I deliver my story through vulnerability, through creativity, I want to obsessively deliver that message of value through sort of, just because it's cliche doesn't mean um, it's not true, that idea of value through holding your head up and searching for yourself through, through um, internal means, 
rather than uh, an external means, rather than what society is telling you to be, rather than what, what, what fame is telling you to be, what a television show is telling you to be, what even a friend is telling you to be. Because if you're truly focused on the journey of who you are, you cannot be bogged down in society. You, you don't have time to be bogged down by society because you realize that the journey is how you're gonna make your mark. And you do that through artistic expression. You know, I was just telling um, my son earlier today, we were having a conversation about the natural high oh, yeah. that you get in life. And, and, and it's an amazing high that life brings when you give it a chance. Yeah. And it's not something that you have to pick a pill or smoke or you have to hide, you know, or, you know, do things that are not legal. It, and, it, and what you notice in this natural high is all of life, which is magic. Mm -hmm. And creativity, you can only see that from the openness of creativity. So, Jeff, go ahead. I, yeah, what, what I was going to say was that it, it, for, for teens that are listening who are struggling with being labeled and not feeling that they're skinny enough or they're not tall enough or they're not smart enough, just in general, not enough in whatever realm. Realize that you are uniquely created. You're one of one. Never in history has there been another you. Never moving forward in all of time will there be another you. You are unique. And you have as much right to be you as anybody else does. And so never apologize for who you are. Yeah. Celebrate who you are. Absolutely. And that, that, that pretty much is, you know, the, the, the sum of it. Never apologize for who you are. Celebrate who you are. And if someone doesn't understand that, then you don't need them in your life, That's really. Right. Uh, if, if they're trying to hold you back and label you and tell you what you can't be or what you can't do, that's just their opinion uh, of, of you based on their life experience. Well, they're not you. How many times have you heard somebody say, I wouldn't do that if I were you? I would. Well, don't listen not. to that <laughs> because they're not you. You are you. Embrace it, celebrate it, find that natural high, and, and move forward with your life as you want to live it, not how someone else wants you to live it. One, one of the first things that I mention um, as I'm speaking now is that scientifically speaking, you infinitely matter. From a scientific point yeah, of view. Yeah, we're all pieces it's not, of this puzzle. And right. every, every piece matters. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not... It's not uh, it's not sort of this idea of pseudo-spiritualism. It's not an idea of pseudoscience. Literally, scientifically speaking, based on research, there is only one you. Truly. Um, just based on how we, how we are created and the idea of mutation and various versions of people, genetically speaking, and family and nature and nurture, all that stuff, when you take all of those factors in, you matter, but we live in a society that says you don't unless, mm -hmm. right? And I'm trying to pull that away from people who are so young and so impressionable. Well, and also, Marilyn, think, think, you, know, you, you said you, you do public speaking as well. Mm -hmm. And if you have 500 people listening to you, every one of those 500 people are hearing something different. You're saying the same words. You're saying it one way. Every single person grabs a different nugget from what you're saying. Every person perceives that differently. 
So they're hearing it 500 different ways. And that speaks to the individuality of each person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the thing, and everybody hears it at different times, yep. you know, different ways, different, you know. Based, and, based on their life experiences. Absolutely. And, and based on who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think what uh, teenagers, um, you know, are, 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 there's so much, again, there's so many ways of expressing ourselves today, so much information coming to us, so many ideas coming to us, so much fashion, so many beautiful bodies, so many beautiful this is, so many beautiful that, so many stories, so many, and it can get, I mean, I walked into a high school to pick up my daughter a couple of years ago, and I felt uncomfortable. I felt, I mean, like I wasn't sure where I was. It was totally uncomfortable, and I think the other thing is recognizing, and we are some of us, we are different, and so we have kids that we can honor that are introverts. We have kids that we can honor that are extroverts. We can, and we, and we all, we need each other. I mean, we all need each other. We mm -hmm. all come with different information, need each other. So, in honoring these differences and allowing introverts to be introverts. And not squeezing an introvert into being into an extrovert box. Absolutely. You know, because introverts, when you're creative, you know, you can be in an inter. You, you in, into being an introvert is, is. I mean, you can't be an extrovert. Yeah. You can't do it. It's it it. I mean. My best friend's an introvert. And and and. And he's a producer. He produces my. He produces Castle Wilds albums now, which is the band that I'm in. And at least as far as the local music scene is concerned, more and more artists want to work with Andre because of how incredibly sensitive, uh, incredibly talented yeah. he is. He, as a matter of fact, he's actually one of those people who can do everything. Um, it kind of drives me insane. Um, he can draw, he can, I'm sure he can paint, although I haven't seen it. Um, he does production, he does video work, um, he's a writer. I am a firm believer that all those outlets of creativity come from the fact that he is an introvert and he prefers his alone time. So again, it's how you define your butterflies. It's how you define what freaks you out. It's how you define the labels that you give yourself or what other so people So my four-year-old grandson yours. has a homogeneous, I can't even pronounce it. It's like a, a little red spot on his cheek. And he's mm. had it since he was like, I don't know, six weeks old. And it's at the time where it would be removed. And it mm. can be removed. So my daughter has an appointment. He's four. And he turns around to her and he doesn't want to go. And she says, why? And he says, because it's beautiful. So now you say, oh, my God. Good for him. Good for yeah. him, right? He says That's it's it. beautiful. And it, at, at, uh, I mean, I say, like, l leave it alone then. Yeah. Society hasn't crushed that out of him. He realizes it's part of who he is. Yeah. And yeah. he thinks it's beautiful. I love right. It. You know, I think that's why a lot of people who are pushing this idea of creativity um, talk about this idea of child mind, right? Because you have so much freedom as a young person. You're not bogged down by your surroundings. You're just exploring. You're just on the journey. You're looking at your hands and going, what can I do with these? You're looking at your feet and saying, where are these... Where are these amazing mechanisms going to take me? You're feeling your heartbeat for the first time, and you're thinking, how many people can this heart connect with? How many hearts am I 
going to affect? What am I going to be when I grow up? And then you close your eyes and all these images of uh, possibility show up because impossible hasn't been expressed to you yet. These, this idea of impossibility. Yeah, you don't have the at, baggage. At some point, somebody tries to pull that away from you. And I believe that that has to do with your surroundings, which is actually why Jeff and I, as a part of Perfectly Afflicted and empowering as many people as we can, don't just speak to teens. We want to bring adults and teenagers together because it, it, it's, it's a collective society where teens need to be given this idea of freedom, this idea of expression, again, this idea of thinking for themselves. And the old model of education is dying. It's ineffective, it's blocky, it lacks passion. And we have this generation of passionate teachers, passionate administrators, passionate people who care about young people and want to make a change with the young people. They get to be a part of their lives, but there's so much red tape that needs to be overcome. And with Perfectly Afflicted and the fundraising options that we provide... You're going to tell us about all of that. Yeah, all that sort of thing. We can break down that sort of See, and the thing is, and I like what you just brought up, because I I feel very, very, um, I guess, urgent, I guess, that we also address the parents, because, you know, we have to address adults, because they are, I mean, they are talking to our kids, and they are their kids, so we have to address everybody as a collective... And the emotion that is attached to all of this is so important because if we don't talk to the emotion either, then we're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, because it's, I mean, you have to express the emotion of how you feel about things. But, but the thing is that they're not going to express the emotion until they realize that the emotion is okay. Absolutely. That's perfect. Absolutely. Got to know that it's okay. And so, okay, so I want, um, we have some time left, so I want, first of all, share a little bit about where you are, what they find, why they want to look for you. Go ahead, Jeff. Why don't you start with yeah, that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, if you go to our website, perfectlyafflicted.com, uh, I know a lot you're going to forget about things that we're talking about here and there. You can look at it in your, in your leisure. Um, we, we have T-shirts for sale online, uh, retail shirts. We also do fundraising where schools that typically would sell wrapping paper or popcorn, a lot of the stuff, quite frankly, that you buy because you want to help the neighbor kid, Jimmy, but you don't really care about what he's selling. Um, they can sell our t-shirts. It's more fun. There are messages on the t-shirts like define normal, love out loud, things like this that really speak to inclusion um, and, and putting away the labels. And so, and, and with that, it, it's not, we, we call it a fundraiser. It's not really, it's more of a partnership yeah. as Chris and I have, have, have found, come to find. Uh, because we take those funds and we reinvest those back into the schools or programs wherever, wherever we, we can. Um, the, we've only been doing this about a year, and, and the biggest impact we've had so far as, as far as working with the organization is on our website you'll see a connection to an organization called Hopeline. And they are here in Raleigh. They service the entire country. They are a crisis line. And their funding got cut last year drastically. And they... They're down to one operator working one phone, which means if someone else calls in, it goes to hold. Not the ideal situation. Um, and so, so they put in for a grant, um, I believe, to the state, not to the city. I believe it was to the state um, for computers, phones, et cetera, to expand their reach. And the grant was denied. 
So through money we raised, through speaking fees and performances and t-shirt sales and corporate donations, we were able to back up two trucks, and I think it was December 14th, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, that's right. I believe yep. we backed up two trucks to their door with everything on their grant list. The state, due to red tape, couldn't figure it out. Chris and I figured it out. And we had computers, we had office phones, cell phones, conference room table and chairs, kitchen table for them to take a break, office all in one machine. We backed up these two trucks, and we outfitted them with everything on their list. And that's the kind of stuff we're doing. Wherever we see a need, we want to fulfill it. If it's a way that a, a, a young person has an outlet to seek help or just someone to talk to. Yeah. So, so that's kind of what we're doing. And you, know, you can see a lot of things on our website. And, and we have a place on there where you can connect with us, um, email us. We're, we're on what, Chris? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Snapchat. We're Snaps. on everything. We're, we're everywhere. Every everything you could possibly. Website. There's a connection on the website for all the social media um, outlets that, yeah. that everybody's using. So. Um, and for the record, anyone who messages me um, through the perfectly afflict, uh, perfectly afflicted um, messenger service, um, I always respond directly. Um, Jeff and I both understand that we're not uh, psychologists. We're not therapists. Um, but um, no, we do. We do not give advice. No. We, we, we are we, we want to be we're there to help but you yeah. know we, we know our limitations and but we have people connected to our website that are there to help we also have a link to a psychologist on our website um, you'll see it right there on, on the home page in the lower left uh, Carolina partners uh, I know a lot of people personally they have they have an office next okay, to let me just say but you will you are speaking and doing work like nationally or internationally, right? Internationally, yeah, right. mostly so, nationally. We, we, we were in Bulgaria last year uh, through a corporate event. A corporate client of mine uh, contacted us to go over to Bulgaria for Chris to do a, a, an event there. Primarily, we work here in, in the U.S. Uh, we have been where, Chris? You've been to Canada? Yeah. Um, Bulgaria, most mostly the U.S., but, so, but we'll go anywhere someone can bring us. Okay, to. so even though we're all here in North Carolina, our, our reach is huge so these yes. so these gentlemen even though they might have this resource here they they have other connections and can speak in other places as well so yeah. don't let that be limiting to you yeah. when you're listening to this we've been coast to coast in the u.s um you know north carolina all the way to california yeah. so um yeah wherever we can go and, and and a lot of people will say oh you 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 speak oh you charge for that and they're kind of put off by that they think we do it free and we're not doing it to uh, fatten our bank accounts. We, we do it because uh, we couldn't have helped Hopeline if we didn't yeah. uh, have money from, from other events. And one of my clients in, in the design business is, is a Christian author, and he explains it very simply. He said, no margin, no ministry. It takes money to keep the lights on, to pay the bills, yeah. uh, to get things shipped in. The people are saying, I have a computer I can donate to you, but it's at my house in X state. And we say, no problem, send me the computer and send me the shipping bill. Yeah. Um, so, so, so we do charge for that. However, we did an event recently at Moorhead School for the Blind where there was no budget uh, due to timing. And we went to the school regardless um, we, we, because we had time and, and we, we could do it. So we, we just want to get there any way we sure. can get there. Yeah. So um, we're almost, almost out of time. So Chris, a word of wisdom. A word of, that you want to leave with our audience. I just want to say, if you're out there 
um, and you desire to take a risk creatively um, or otherwise, take a moment to look in the mirror, um, look at the unique structure and spirit that you've been gifted with and take a leap because you never know who you're gonna affect. And I, I pride myself as far as creatively speaking, really being a facilitator because the fact of the matter is when you take that, lip, uh, that leap, when you take that risk, the people in your life that love you, that wanna support you, are energetically going to show up for you. It will happen, just keep going. That's perfect advice, Jeff, a minute. I, 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 I agree completely. Chris and I are on the same page there. Um, they call it growing pains. It's not just physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. Um, just just live your life for you. Uh, be who you are. You are one of one. You're uniquely created, and the world needs to experience you. Yeah, and, and I on this subject, I'm going to say this really quick, and I appreciate you both very much. I mean, I loved today's show, and I loved your messages, and I would say very quickly... Um, when, if you're not feeling good, reach out to somebody else who may not feel good either and help them. That's another very big way of, of helping yourself is to help somebody else. I'm In not. two words, I still don't know what's the website. Oh, oh perfectlyafflicted.com. Perfect. There you go. Perfectlyafflicted.com. Perfect. www.perfectlyafflicted.com. And there's a way to contact us there via email and other social media. We respond to everybody who contacts us. Um, we, 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 we're, we just want to be there. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for being here. It was You were both fabulous. Thank you. I well, thank you, Marilyn. I really appreciate uh, the offer. We, we need exposure so people know who we are and what we're doing uh, so that we can help other people. You're helping us help others. Well, that's the idea. It's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. It's just been wonderful and Go visit with these gentlemen. Find them on their social media. If you have any questions at all about anything, please let me know at Marilyn at MarilynShannon.com. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. Thank you all very much. Thank you. You're tuned to the Nissan Communications Network. Our weekly lineup of call-in programs includes Computers 2K Now with Omnon Nissan, My Life, My Will with Gisela DiCarlo, The Tanya Love Show, Help Then with Debbie Brooke, Breaking Free with Marilyn Shannon, Triangle Be Well with Howard Jacobson, Lunch and Learn with Rabbi Yisrael Cutler, Lessons of Vietnam with NCVVI members, Current Affairs with Omnon Nissan, and if you tuned in too late, you can always watch each program in its entirety or download an MP3 audio file of it in the archives section on nissancommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Sponsored by Atomos.com, makers of quality video recorders and converters, carolinaapparel.com, and deltaforce.net. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.